I'm coming to your cities. I recently did an event in New York. It was awesome. I loved bringing real couples up on stage. We had no idea what was going to happen. The crowd loved it. I was sharing real numbers. It was a blast. And I want to do it again. I'm looking to coach couples on stage at my next two live events, one in Philly on June 1st, one in Boston on June 4th. If you and your partner want help connecting over money, you want to solve a big financial challenge you have, please apply at iwt.com slash live coaching. If you and your partner struggle to come up with a shared vision of your rich life, if you have different priorities about spending and saving, if you just can't get on the same page financially, I would love to coach you live on stage in your city. It is free of charge. You can apply at iwt.com slash live coaching. I'll see you in Boston and Philly. Recently, I had an event in New York City. I had hundreds of people come and I brought actual real couples up on stage and did a mini podcast right there in front of everyone. It was awesome. And I'm very pleased to announce that I'm doing two more events. I want to let you know about it before anyone else knows. June 1st, I'm going to be in Philadelphia. June 4th in Boston. If you want tickets, you can get them at iwt.com slash philly and iwt.com slash boston. Between now and May 3rd, you can use the pre-sale code RICHLIFE to get tickets. Again, June 1st, I'll see you in Philly and June 4th in Boston, iwt.com slash philly and iwt.com slash boston. The same 10 things I put in my cart a year ago are not the same price and they're so much higher. So we're not going to go out to eat this week or we're not going to um, get your new shoes till next month. Ah, so are you spending down your savings every month? Yes. Okay, and how does that feel to both of you? Awful. Natalie, I'd like you for you to start with the net worth section. Just say, okay, assets, and then read me the number next to it. Assets, $890,000. Uh, it includes property, income property, investments that we have. How many properties? Seven. Seven properties? And you guys are arguing about $20 on Amazon? What world am I in right now? Is that enough? It could be enough. But does um, it feel like enough? No. There is no guilt-free. There's always guilt to the spending every single uh, time. Where does the grind stop? And where does the enjoyment begin? I'd like to introduce you to Natalie, who's 42 years old, and her husband, Travis. He's 48. Travis is in the military. Natalie stays at home with their four children and runs the household. And they live in Southern California, which is very expensive. Now, they reached out to me initially because they disagree about the way to spend money. And you're going to hear about very specific examples like their son's birthday party. But as we dig, not surprisingly, you're going to discover that there's something much deeper beneath the surface. As you listen today, I'd like to remind you of a couple of things. First, it helps me if you rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave a little written comment. I read them all. I appreciate it. Second, watch this episode on YouTube. You can see the full episode and you can see Natalie and Travis and their body language, which is quite revealing. Just go to YouTube and search for Ramit Sethi and follow me there. Now, let's get to the episode. Our son's birthday party that happened last month turned 11. Okay, congrats. And he's our youngest of four. And we initially set out to have a budget of 250 bucks. And I'm sure that we doubled, tripled, quadrupled that. And with no thought, no conversation or like nothing afterwards about the amount amount spent mm. who came up with the number 250 usually for our children's birthdays it's around 200 250 okay. um when we were good at our budget we would put money away for that but we have not looked at a budget in months okay. and so when it came time to plan his party i wanted to plan it at the skate park found out that was 500 dollars, so canceled that postponed it to the next weekend where we could do it outside for free so um, Travis actually doesn't know what we spent on the budget, but we were under 250 for that birthday party. But to him, he thinks that we went over. Wait, what? Wait, Travis said you may have quadrupled the budget and you're telling me it was under the budget? Absolutely. Okay, this is a good example. How much did you end up spending on this birthday exactly? So far, I've spent about $180 for his birthday. I just 
grabbed a couple Costco pizzas and some of his favorite sparkling waters and a couple cookies and went to the skate park with 12 of his buddies. So it was a pretty cheap birthday. Sounds like a great birthday. This is already fascinating. So many of the stories we tell ourselves with money are just that, stories. We'll say, I'm not good at money, or I'm afraid of losing money. Or in this case, Travis literally tells himself that they quadrupled the budget for their son's birthday party. Now, it's tempting to think that presenting the facts will change people's feelings, but it won't because these are feelings and facts rarely change feelings. This is why so many people feel like investing is gambling, even though it's not. I can show them a compound interest chart and point to 100 years of history, and it will not change a thing. That's the point of this podcast. Emotions matter. Psychology matters. Compound interest charts and spreadsheets matter a lot less than people think. All right. Travis, what do you think about hearing that the birthday may have been under budget? I think it's fantastic. Super okay. but, That's a big smile. I see that. All right. Yeah, it's great. Um, then I'm going to add the uh, set the 70 to $90 for the fishing trip, and then we're back where we're over. Not quadruple, but we're over. You're over by 20, 30, 40 bucks or so. Okay. Right. And does that trouble you, Travis? Um, it's just the, f I have no problem. Like, I know that you, Rumi, like hate budgets. I have no problem spending every single piece of every penny every month. But as long as we know where each penny goes, I don't care. Yeah. Right. And when we, when we can't have money for, the frivolous, uh, what's the term that you call it? Um, guilt-free spending. It's guilt not frivolous. Spending. It's guilt-free. Guilt-free. Uh -huh. <laughs> there is no guilt-free. There's always guilt to the spending every single uh -huh. time because it doesn't. It, we didn't allocate its, its work prior to it being spent. Okay. Who feels the guilt? I do. You do. Okay. Natalie, do you feel it? I feel guilt from Travis because I guess we're not on the same page and we don't communicate monthly as to, hey, this is what's coming up this month. Do we have the money to pay for that? Or do we need to borrow from our savings to pay for this? You know, we're really good at certain things like budgeting the car, registration, those things, but it's the random things that come up right. that we don't communicate completely about where the money's coming from. So I feel, I do feel a little bit of guilt when I do spend it because he's not on board with me communicating and planning that part of it. Mm. Okay. All right. And when you say it's the little things that you may be over on you're talking about birthday parties groceries what are we talking about so we are definitely over on our groceries um the other small things that i feel like nickel and dime us what i say to travis is the kids have birthday parties that they're invited to or um you know the girls high school sports need an extra hundred dollars for this or that and mm -hmm. um we don't talk about where that's coming from. We don't plan for that large of the nickel and diming to come out. And I think that's what's eating our budget. So let's talk about that. She comes to you and she says, what? I need a hundred bucks for uniforms or something. Right. All right. What do you do? I would take it out of the budget and then in my mind, try to spend less the next time I go to the grocery store. Uh, does that work? No, it hasn't. That's why I'm here. <laughs> okay. And Travis, you're shaking your head. What's your take on this? It's just after the fact, right? Like I have alerts on my phone for Amazon, 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 Amazon. And I'm like, we don't even have a budget for Amazon. And it keeps getting lumped into the food budget and household things and food and household. And like that we can't, that's not, that's not a, like we're violating the very principle of money that, I, that we should be enforcing and like employing ourselves. Is it possible for the two of you to be financially compatible? Absolutely. I think we can. I think we definitely have to mesh on some common goals. Okay. Do you know anyone else, any other couples who see money differently, but they are meshed? Um, yes. Tell me about them, Natalie. What comes to mind when you think about them? So from the outside, uh, one of our couples wants to, you know, save nickel and dime savings and not spend it on those things like, oh, well, you know, let's make him a card or let's do something like that. And the other person in this couple is wanting to use their money to invest it for it to grow. All right. By the way, you said nickel and dime in a really interesting way. When you say nickel and dime, is that a positive thing or a negative thing for you? Um, for me, it's negative. Hmm. Like 
we're nickel and diming our way to death. Is yes. that how you use it? To death okay. or yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. I picked up that you also had a positive view of it. Like nickel and dime is interchangeable with saving. I think that we can be. It can be a form. I've seen other people do it. And I feel like, you know, living in Southern California where things are so expensive and everybody has the best of everything. I feel like in my mind, because I am the biggest spender in the family. I mean, Travis doesn't go to the market. He doesn't buy the kids socks or shoes. So a lot of this I feel is heavy on my shoulders because I want to get better at making him feel that I'm confident and competent in leading this family financially and not spending money that it's not needed to be done. So I would like to get better at not nickel and diming. And I think if I, I feel like I do do these things, but to Travis, all he sees is spending. Mm-hmm. Like the Amazon, this is a perfect example, the Amazon packages that come. To me, I would rather push a button and order those new socks on Amazon that are the same price at Walmart instead of driving my car five to 10 miles to go pick it up. So I'd rather do that and that's why like a couple Amazon packages come each week rather than driving to go do it. Whereas mm-hmm. Travis is the type, if he needs a tool for the lawnmower or something, he'll stake out three different stores, find the best price and bring it home. Mm. Well, I feel like he just wasted a ton of gas and time, which time is very valuable to me mm. um, doing that. It, it, just to clarify, time is valuable to you. Why? If I can save time going shopping physically going out there to get it when I don't need to even drive down that street or that area, I can use it more wisely as doing household chores or preparing a meal for my family or, or what about just enjoying the time? That would be a fantastic way to do it. Yeah. Okay. All right. When was the last time you just enjoyed the time? Um, (laughs) it's been a while. In college, I majored in something called STS, Science, Technology, and Society. And one of the things we studied was the emergence of technology in the home, like irons and dishwashers and vacuum cleaners. The promise was always that suddenly, magically, once you buy this technology, you will be free to enjoy your leisure time. In reality, expectations simply went up, and now you spent approximately the same amount of time on housework. From the perspective of designing a rich life, if you let these things consume your time, they will. Just as if you let all your random expenses consume your money, they also will. But if you are in charge of your rich life, it's your job to fight back by designing what your rich life is and then prioritizing those things first. As an example, when you hear the phrase, pay yourself first, this is exactly what they mean. You set a target savings goal, let's say, 10% of gross income, and you pay yourself first. That money goes into a savings account. Then you take the remainder of the money and use it to cover your spending. In other words, you put the important things first or they will never get done. You can apply this to travel. You can apply this if you really want a nice car and it's part of your rich life to be able to afford it. Fantastic. That's how you do it. Now, let's explore how they both think about money. If you ever follow me on Instagram, sometimes you'll see me post about my behind-the-scenes travel experiences, coffee tours, salsa-making classes in Mexico, all kinds of culinary stuff in India. And I'll get a lot of people saying, where do I find that Kyoto notepad maker that you found? And one place you can find that is Viator. In fact, my wife and I used Viator to book a Segway tour where we took a tour of a new city And we had an amazing experience, something we never would have thought of doing on our own. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. And with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everybody. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real travel reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best travel activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. I get tons of email every single day, and I want to give you a behind-the-scenes look at how I manage emails from my team, from my family, and from you. I use a piece of software called Superhuman, 
And this is an email software that I actually pay for out of my own pocket. It works with your existing email service like Gmail or Outlook. And let me share how it saves me over 10 hours a week. So here are a few things I love about it. First off, it splits my inbox into different streams. So my important emails come into one place. It's not cluttered with a bunch of subscriptions everywhere. Next, I use keyboard shortcuts. Unlike you barbarians who literally click and peck through every single email, U to market unread, S to star it, J or K to cycle through messages. I use keystrokes to schedule messages, like when I want to ask one of my coworkers a question, but I don't want to send them an email on a Saturday. Now, I can work through dozens of emails in minutes using this. And Superhuman just introduced an AI feature, which allows you to take a huge email with all these people chiming in and automatically summarize what's going on in a few bullet points. It'll even draft emails for you. So if you want to buy back your time, Superhuman is a no-brainer to me. It's something I spend my own money on and I love it. Right now, all IWT listeners will get a free month of Superhuman. You can get started at superhuman.com slash Ramit. That's superhuman.com slash Ramit, R-A-M-I-T. When you think about money, what are the first two or three words that come to mind for you? Let's start with Travis, then Natalie. Money is a tool. Money is a method to um, pursue greater things. Selfish and selfishly and selflessly. You know, for example, I've got about three or four years left in the military. When I retire, I don't want a W-2 job. And so I want to be able to spend my time supporting communities locally and abroad, doing whatever, teaching English in Indonesia to clearing a trail and, you know, up in Tahoe for three or four months. Like that's, that's what I want to do selfish, selflessly. The first words that came to my mind when you asked that question were um, safety mm-hmm. and um, save. Mm-hmm. Tell me. Yeah, I want to feel like I have enough money to do the things that we need to do for now and for our future. Okay. This is very helpful for me to understand where you're coming from. I am curious about Amazon. So you make a really good point, Natalie, that your time is valuable and you've got four kids and this household that you are in charge of. So makes sense to me. You'd prefer to order something from Amazon and have it delivered rather than drive. Travis, I heard you say that First of all, you get a notification when there's an Amazon order. Is that true? Yes. Why do you have notifications turned on for Amazon purchases? Uh, I I don't know. I, I, Can we just I have, like turn I that off? Notifications for anything else on. So, <laughs> are you serious? Serious. <laughs> so, Travis, can you turn off these Amazon notifications, please? I, I will. I will note that. Yes. Okay. All right. I feel like family harmony has already increased. 15% just from turning off Amazon notifications. <laughs> okay, job, jo- the job is done. Travis, I'm curious though, knowing that you will turn off those notifications, when you see those things come across your phone, what's that feeling you get? Just absolute like gut punching dread. Like, ah, here we're going over and we're going over and we're going over. That's what I see here feel every time. And do you even see the amount or is it just the icon? I see the amount. Okay. So like, what's a typical amount that you might see? Um, anywhere, 20 to 40 bucks, 50 bucks. Okay. okay. 10 to 50 bucks on a given day. You're feeling existential dread from seeing 20 bucks on your phone. Okay. Stupid. That's a problem. Stupid. I know. I'm feeling dread because it's, it wasn't, it all goes back to, allocating money to so the money has a job if the money is this if we have a budget that set or a allocation of money that says hey this much money is going to go to amazon i don't care okay fantastic all right and travis you you said something uh in your application you said we're loose we're not tight right now we're loose with our money when you said that it deeply resonated with me because there are parts of my life where i want things just completely tight i want them dialed in you know, whether it's workouts or my calendar or whatever. And then when when it's important to you and you can feel it's getting a little sloppy, you go, ah, oh, God, I just feel out of control. Is that how you feel about it? 100% true. Travis is a born optimizer. When things aren't in their place, it drives him nuts. And he's also in the military, which tracks perfectly. I'm an optimizer too, so I understand how he feels. But I also know that if I let my optimizer feelings take a front seat 
with my finances, my life can become extremely numbers-oriented, and it can be really hard for a partner to deal with. So that's what you're hearing when he talks about gut-punching dread. It might sound like hyperbole to you, but to him, he genuinely feels it, okay? It doesn't mean it's right. doesn't mean I agree with it, even though I totally get it, Travis. doesn't mean it's helping his relationship, but that is how he genuinely feels. Okay, so tightening it up or dialing it in for you would be every dollar has a job. It, it's assigned to something. We agree on that. And, and then I don't care about the execution of it. Is that correct? That's correct. Uh, I don't have a problem doing that because I know that he wants every dollar to have a place to go. Um, I think the problem is, is that A, we don't plan it each month mm-hmm. and B, we haven't changed our allowed budget in over a year, you know, with inflation, the way it's gone and everything else. So I think that's a big part of why he feels the way he does. Mm. I feel it as well, but I also am the one shopping and seeing that the same 10 things I put in my cart a year ago are not the same price and they're so much higher. So I make the try to make the adjustments with our shopping and, um, and I see that. And then I try to, make up for it in other ways is not spending dollars. We're not going to go out to eat this week, or we're not going to um, get your new shoes till next month or, you know, little things like that, because I'm the one going out and actually spending it and seeing the difference. I see. Okay. And can I go out on a limb and make a guess here? You haven't updated it in a year. Is that because something changed? And you started to feel worse about money, and now it's just this sort of thing in the closet nobody wants to really tackle. Yeah, we're kicking the can down the road because we haven't figured out the principles yet that we're violating. The prince, and you believe the principle is the day to day spending of, of just allocating our money. Correct? Okay, but why haven't you allocated it in a year? Um. I guess, tired. Okay. That's an honest answer. The thing is, we're not robots. I'm not surprised you haven't done this in a year. But I'm also not surprised that now you want to talk to somebody like me. Because sometimes we need a little nudge to get get it tight again. Travis and Natalie are stressed out by money. Enough that they've come on this show in front of millions of people to share their story and their actual numbers. But notice that they haven't updated their numbers in over a year. I got to tell you, I got a lot of compassion for people who aren't on top of their money every single day of their lives. We have family obligations. We get busy with work or we're confused about a certain investment term and we need to find somebody to ask for help, but then life gets in the way. One of my goals for this podcast is to introduce you to couples who really want to improve their relationships with money, but for whatever reason, they're stuck. The reasons might seem silly or trivial to you, but they are nonetheless real to them. And the truth is that each of us has something in our life where we know we should be doing better, but we're not. That is real life. Uh, And out of curiosity, have you had budgets before? Yes. Uh, And how long did those last? Um, Look at Travis's face right now. Look at that. Sometimes that's all that needs to be said. Go ahead, Natalie. How long did those last? I, I don't know if I can put a word on it. Um, after that look, they didn't last very long. That's shocking. I'm I'm utterly shocked. All right, let's let's look at the numbers. The net worth. Uh, okay, you know what, Natalie? I'd like you for you to start with the net worth section. Just say okay, assets, and then read me the number next to it. Okay, assets. $890,000, 341. Okay, great. $890,000 in assets. And what do those assets include? Uh, it includes property, income uh-huh. property, investments that we have. How many properties? Seven. Seven properties? And you guys are arguing about $20 on Amazon? <laughs> what world am I in right now? All right, we're going to get to that. Seven <laughs> properties. Are you actually cash flow positive on these? Everyone. Yes. What am I doing here right now? Investments. What's the next number? Uh, 323. Okay. 
All right. And of course, that does not include your properties. You count those as assets. Fine. Savings? Uh, 119000 Okay. And debt? Uh, 401. Okay. What is that? Mortgage. The mortgage is on some of the properties. Okay. That's our only debt. We don't have any debt on anything else. All right. You, you guys are pretty financially conservative in that way. That's good. So what's that total net worth you see there? Um, 931,000. All right. What do you think about that number, Natalie? Uh, I like it. I think that it's a, a good number to have, but I feel like we're crippling ourselves um, in our personal versus our investing our business that we're not as well um, disciplined. I see. So your business, I can hear a lot of pride. You've got multiple properties. They're all cash flow positive. I can hear that. It seems pretty dialed in. The personal side seems to be different. Is that a fair assessment? Yes. Accurate. All right. Fine. Great. At least we're honest. That's the step number one. Travis, talk to me about the income. So the income is what I make. We're a one income military family earner. Um, that includes the housing allowance that we get because we live on base. Okay. And it also includes a, it's called BAS, which basic allowance for sustenance. So it's like an extra 280 bucks that the government just throws you because I have dependents, right? Okay. And so when you, the 10,000, you subtract 3,400 for the housing that they put in and then take out. And mm -hmm. so like, technically we have like 5,800 that they, uh, and then, and then we have the TSP that comes out of that, which is how much? right at 20%. So right around $13.50 a month. Okay. So just to summarize, you make a gross amount every month of $10,523. That's mm -hmm. great. And do you have a pension? At, after 20 years, 50% of the base pay, which my wow. base pay right now is uh, like $7,200. $7,200 a month. And so 20 years will be when? Next year. December. December. Oh. Or sorry, this December. This December. Great. So you're close to getting 50% of pay if you retire. Correct. And when do you plan to retire ballpark? Um, if someone's asking me right now, probably I've got another three years-ish. So probably three or four years from now. Great. I've already ran those numbers. So it'll just, at, at that point, with my if I uh, get 100% disability, which four tours, that'll definitely happen. But uh, that'll be basically $8,000 net just for waking up. $8,000 net, that's double what you make right now. Correct. Okay. And that's in three years? Yes. You guys are making my job too easy for me. They have seven cash flow properties, and he makes good money and is likely to make even more soon. It seems like they should have plenty to be able to spend. All right, let's work down the rest of it. Okay. Fixed costs. Uh, just out of curiosity, what's that big old number in blue on fixed costs? Natalie, what do you see there? 86%. Now, out of curiosity, what, what is the recommended guideline for that? It's, uh, I believe it's 50 to 60%. 50 to 60%. You guys are at 86%. You're actually way over that because you should add your mortgage or your rent in there. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I don't know, 100. Basically, you're spending, mm -hmm. it's 100%. Yeah. What yes. does that tell you that your fixed costs are essentially 100% of your take home? It tells me that money. I have no no guilt free spending. That is correct. And what was that, Natalie? Just that we have we're spending too much money. Mm, maybe I'm not sure. I would take that conclusion. You 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 may be spending too much money. Yes, but really the problem is a structural problem, which is your fixed costs are just too high. So let's let's just take a breath on that. Hearing that, what does that feel like to you, Natalie? It's sad. Why? It's sad because how can we succeed if we're, our plan is a failure? So no wonder that we, you know, mumble under our breaths or the sigh happens when he gets a text from Amazon or it's like, why would we not be surprised? Because it's exactly what we planned for. That, now that is very accurate. Travis, what about you? Um, it's, it's frustrating. The final section of the conscious spending plan is your guilt-free spending at 
negative 29%. I don't know if I've ever seen a number like that on a conscious spending plan. You're welcome. You're in the Hall of Fame. So what does that mean? Negative 29%. What does that mean to you? That means our kids are uh, getting shoes and jerseys and birthday parties and everything else out of our savings. Ah, so are you spending down your savings every month? Yes. Okay. And how does that feel to both of you? Awful. And I'm now having income of like my paycheck is $55,000, dollars a month. Well, then I should be employing the extra money either through securities, um, paying down debt, finding another investment property, um, something like making that money make more money. Okay. What about spending some of it? Um, <clears throat> sure. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, I don't know if you really believe that. <laughs> spending some of that money would be like celebrating a win, right? I don't, I am very, as a Marine, like I'm driven, right? Like that's the mission I accomplished. It, it's crushed. It, it's devastated on to the next mission, right? Like the joy that I get is not celebrated mm-hmm. because I'm focusing on the next target, the next mission and the next property or the next, like, you know, moving my TSP percentages around between the different funds to make sure that we're maximizing. It's just like always moving forward. So I don't celebrate that. Um, you know, I just got promoted to chief officer four and we got our paycheck and it was backdated a month. And I'm like, all right, that's an extra $1,500. Put it over here yeah. instead of let's go and get ice cream for the day. Like, yeah, I need to be better about that. Okay. Natalie, you want to chime in here? I a hundred percent agree. Yeah, I agree. But I also agree that celebrating is a really important skill. And it's not just a skill with money. It's a skill with family. You know, yeah. when you when you really look back on your family, you know, you don't remember the type of salt your mom or dad used. You remember the rituals. You remember the random celebrations, the dinner, eating dinner together or going out for ice cream. You know, there's an art and a science to living a rich life. The science is what most people focus on. They think money is strictly about the numbers. And it's true. The basic nuts and bolts of money are a key part of a rich life. But that's where most people stop. And you can hear Travis admitting that. He even says he wants to use money to... What? To buy more investments? There's a lack of understanding the psychology of money, which is the second key skill in a rich life. That means understanding how you behave with money, how you talk about money, and how you feel about money. Travis won't celebrate their financial wins. That's his story. And now that you understand this lens that he uses, you can understand why he thought that Natalie overspent on their son's birthday party. You can even understand why when he learned that she didn't, he quickly pivoted to another worry about money. I dig into their CSP and I notice that they invest 29% of their take-home pay and they only spend $50 a month for vacation. That's for a family of six. It's a little unusual that you only put $50 a month aside considering you have seven cash flow positive properties. Anyone else here think that's a little weird? I have a friend of mine who's always cold. She told me she and her partner have totally different temperatures when they sleep. She goes to bed in a flannel pajama. She's got extra blankets. Her partner's running hot. So now she recently started testing the pod cover from 8sleep, one of our sponsors. Before she goes to sleep, she gets on the app, cranks up the heat, and when she gets into bed at night, it's already warm and waiting for her. The pod cover by 8sleep fits on your bed like a fitted sheet, and it collects information. It has sensors The pod then uses that information to understand what you need to get better sleep. You can set it to heat up or cool down before you get into bed. It also adjusts while you sleep. And you can set it to change temperatures to gently wake you up in the morning. Best part, there are two zones. So if you run hot and your partner runs cold, you can each set your side of the bed to exactly how you want it. Improve the way you sleep by using my link at 8sleep.com slash Ramit for $200 off plus free shipping on their high-tech Pod 3 cover. That's 8sleep.com slash Ramit 
E-I-G-H-T, sleep.com slash Ramit, R-A-M-I-T, for a better, smarter sleep. A few years ago, I was at a tea tasting in New York with one of my buddies. I thought it was going to be a normal tea tasting. Suddenly, six people from Japan come in. They pour basically three thimblefuls of tea, and we taste it. I've never tasted anything like that. And they tell us, if we were to buy that, just the three thimblefuls, it would be $75. Now, drop for drop, that's the most expensive thing I've ever had to drink. Not all of us have the time or the money to buy that specific tea from that specific mountainside in Japan. But what if you could capture that feeling of the care and the love, even the way that they served it to us? What if you could bring that to your home every morning? Well, I want to introduce you to one of our newest sponsors, Peak Tea. What makes Peak Tea special is that the tea is cold extracted using only wild harvested leaves from 250-year-old tea leaves. That makes the tea rich in minerals and other beneficial compounds. Now, the greatest part is that peak tea is zero prep. There's no tea bag that you have to steep for the perfect amount of time. Peak dissolves in cold or hot water in seconds. It's already pre-measured, it's perfectly brewed, and it's perfect to take if you travel. My team's been trying peak tea and they especially love the Pu'er green teas. For a limited time, get up to 15% off and a free quiver with 12 tea samples with my link, peaklife.com slash Ramit. That's P-I-Q-U-E-L-I-F-E dot com slash Ramit, R-A-M-I-T. Well, there's history behind why we, uh, we, we lost six properties in the recession. 20 years ago. Okay. And um, I was deployed. Natalie was a young mother doing the, you know, doing all the property management stuff on her own. And we, um, you know, we ended up having to short sell them. Mm -hmm. And regardless of how much money we had saved, it didn't matter. And so we were doing the classic day Ramsey beans and rice because we had nothing else. And, you know, we short sold the last house in 2011 after my fourth deployment. And it was uh, like, that was, that was a big wound for us. There's still that lingering thing of like, we don't have enough money saved. We got to save more money because we, we don't know what the future is going to hold. And even though we have all of our stuff for CapEx, we've got, we're a year plus, that money just comes in the account and sits there because, you know. Something might happen. We need to have it. Yeah. I don't feel scared about it. Travis was deployed every other year and I was the one having kids and dealing with what happened in 08. So I'm not scared. I just want to have a plan for it. And I think that's why, you know, Travis is a lot more aggressive in his investing to where I want to make sure that we do have six months reserve for each of the properties if the renters move out or if something were to happen or we need a new roof. Like there's that number that I'd like to see in the bank to feel comfortable about what we have because that's why things crumbled in 08. But it taught me a lot about, I always want to make sure that there's enough in case something happens. Mm-hmm. And how much is enough for you now? We have to have at least forty to 50000 in the bank just for our family. Okay. You have triple Minimum. That. Minimum. Okay. You, you have that. Is it enough? Uh, it is, unless I start taking from it every month. Mm. Well, you said you need forty to fifty thousand minimum. You have a hundred nineteen thousand in savings. Assuming you take a thousand dollars a month, you could go many, 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 many years. Basically, the rest of your life before you got down to fifty thousand. Is that enough? Why did it get so quiet in here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> weird. Yeah. What it's do you think? Just- I think it it could be enough. But does it feel like enough? No. I'd like to take 30,000 and put it under my mattress. So then that takes us down to about 60,000, you know, or 70,000. And I'd like to go and buy another 30,000 in gold coins and have that in case the economy blows up. Like I've got all these things in my head to really make me feel completely safe hey, and to take, travel. But hold on. Take me out of your head. Okay. Because putting money under your mattress and buying $30,000 of gold, I can tell you right now, is not going to change the way you feel. That's Do you true. believe me? Yeah. 
I can see that. I feel like, yes, I guess so. I guess because it's, 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 I feel like to me, it's more diversified. And then I feel like, okay, if one area falls. That's, diver- that's up here. Diversified. You are diversified. You have cash. You have investments. You have real estate. You're diversified. Yeah. Take me out of here and take me to here. What would safe feel like? Um, if we had money left in the account before the next paycheck came. Oh, why would that feel safe? Because um, if that was the case, then I'd feel like we were telling our money where to go instead of our money telling us, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's up here, but when we get to here, it's actually quite simple. It's, I want my husband to trust me, And maybe I want to have the freedom to be able to breathe, to go for a walk, to get my nails done, to not deplete our savings account and take from it every month. Anything else? I think that's right on. Isn't this interesting? Natalie could have gone the rest of her life believing that she needed another $50,000 to feel safe. But the way you feel about money is highly uncorrelated with the amount you have in the bank. You heard it yourself. First, she said she needed $50,000 to feel safe. I said, you have that. Then she said, minimum. I said, you have three times that. Then she pivoted to, well, I don't want to draw from it. I said, you can actually draw from it for decades. Then she said, I'd like to buy gold and stick cash under a mattress. And then she wanted to talk about diversification. I'm going to say something respectfully here. Natalie didn't even really know what she was saying. This is nothing against Natalie personally. But we as humans are natural storytellers. We really think we know what is going to make us feel a certain way. Of course, in our culture, especially in the West, we are individualistic. We believe we are in control of ourselves. But we are also storytellers. Our minds are what's called adaptive. If something doesn't make sense, we will naturally create a story to make it make sense. That's what children do when you hear them talking to their toys, trying to make sense of the world. But guess what? Adults do it too. Natalie genuinely believes that she needs all kinds of financial instruments in order to feel safe. She was sitting there talking about diversification, but none of that is actually true. It's like me saying, "Uh, excuse me, my car is on fire. I think I need to create a spreadsheet comparing alternative options for a new car that I might buy, but I definitely want to factor in depreciation. No, I need a fire extinguisher. And sometimes you need somebody to help you understand what you really need. What Natalie needs is to know that her husband trusts her and she needs to be able to go and buy something nice every once in a while without worry. The point of life is to enjoy, right? The point of, I, I want to create a legacy of something for my posterity, something that allows my kids and their, their kids and their kids, you know, the opportunity to enjoy life mm-hmm. and 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 money uh, allows the life to be achievable because it's a tool. It's not, I, I don't need, my goal is to make $10 million. That's not my goal. My goal is to live a selfish and selfish life by impacting communities local and abroad. That's my burning why, right? That's what I want to do. I want to go with my kids on summer break when they're out of college and go somewhere and like build a house in Mexico. Like these are like events and episodes. Like we've kind of backed off of Christmas gifts under the tree because we want to go and have an experience. We took the kids to Maui. Uh, year was that last year or 2020? 2020. We went to Maui. A part of our vacation there, we went and did service for an hour, two hours at this woman's house because I called a local church. I'm like, hey, who in your congregation needs help? And so we went to some random woman's house Motor grass, picked her yard, she ordered pizza, we hung out. Never met the woman in our life, but we left. It was a great experience. That's what I want to, I, that's what we want to teach our kids. That's what we want them to have it. And, you know, and we, we learned that lesson because we went to Thailand and we saw a family of 12 living in a 10 by 10 corrugated metal building. You know, we, there's, there's so many things that our kids have been exposed to, like money's not the end all. And we live yeah. in Orange County where, it's very easy for high school kids to drive their, their parents' Tesla or their their kid, their dad's Raptor to high school. We get it, yeah. but that's not what we're trying to do. 
so many things I love about what you just said. You know, you have a personal vision. You've clearly thought about it. That's powerful. That's leadership. I mean, what you did on vacation is amazing. Just that alone, I hope inspires every single person who's listening and watching this to realize that their vacations can have even more of layers to it than just eating and seeing things. I think that's incredible. I also recognize when you said that we've backed off of Christmas gifts because we want to spend more on other things. Totally aligns with my philosophy. Spend extravagantly on the things you love and cut costs mercilessly on the things you don't. What If I were to talk to your kids right now and I were to ask them, what lessons have you learned about money from your parents? What would they say? To invest it. Mm -hmm. To invest it. Okay. What else? It's a really good question. I hope not to fear it. I know that the kids have heard Travis and I talk about different ways of spending or investing. And they know that we have difference of opinions on some of it. How do they know that? We involve them in some of it. Okay, good. You know, ask them how they feel about it or what they do. Wow, very advanced. That's very impressive. Most people don't even talk about money. And to involve their kids, that's great. I know that they've said on occasion, like, hey, are we poor? Oh, wow. Why can't we we go do that? Why, Why don't we have, right? And, and... And that might be reinforced by me because, um, you know, we, we have, we are surrounded by seven and eight digit earners and the, when they find out that their friends are going here and like, Hey, can we go do that? I'm like, no, we can't afford to do that. Mm-hmm. And, and as a father, as a provider of the family, like that is like, that's, that's far worse than ever getting an Amazon text message. Like it, 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 it touches me to the very like core of a man, right. And provider and a patriarch of like, you should never have to say that. And so that is like, that is one of my daily drivers. So you don't have to say that to your kids. Well, your, your youngest is 11 years old, right? I mean, they're leaving soon enough. Yeah. And would you say that you've taught them good values? Yes. Would you say that you've taught them how to make their way in the world? Yes. Okay. So I don't think they need seven figures because they will become financially independent. I have no doubt about that. You're going to start them off young. You're already teaching them about cash flow. Great. I just think it would be a tragedy if they end up pursuing the very thing that you both do not want to teach them, which is the blind pursuit of money without realizing that your rich life is actually lived along the journey, not at the destination itself. There's so much truth to that. You know, we teach them about enjoying the journey and so many other things, but we're really not living it right now, you know? I think that my struggle with with that is where does where does the grind stop and where does the enjoyment begin right and i'm not talking about enjoying the little things the ice cream or the dinner after something right i'm not talking about that but i'm saying like uh, we know like we have our cash flow amount we want to have each month preferably from real estate because it's now, it's me. You don't have to wait till I'm 59 and a half to, in, to withdraw. And <clears throat> while that has a monetary amount, once we get to the monetary amount, like we're good. Like in my opinion, I don't need to keep, it's not, it's not a number of doors. It's not a seven digit number that I need to get to. It's just like, hey, my finances are this much. If I can make that much with, with the real estate cash flow, then, then the paper assets, the pension, the retirement, all that stuff is just all gravy, mm-hmm. right? All gravy. And then the gravy becomes the, the rich life. Let me ask it a different way. You asked a really great question. Um, when does the grind stop? What a fantastic question. If you have 
been grinding your whole life and it has gotten you to this where you're very successful. It's not just an intellectual question. It is part of you. So let me ask you, if I were in the military and I were to say to you, when does the training stop and the competence start? What would your answer be? Those are training never stops ever, exactly. never, exactly. ever. So nobody's going to stop the grind from you. It's imp- I can't take it out of you. I cannot extract it. What I can do is to help you add on another layer to your identity. And that would be enjoyment, the rich life, using it now while continuing to grind. And it may turn out over time that one layer becomes a little bit larger than the other. I actually hope that you can you know, add that layer on at this point in your life. But the fact is you're never going to turn that grind off. It's you. And that's okay. You're picking up clues, your financial friend, these numbers, your pension. And it's starting to dawn on you that, oh my God, I did it. But like, what now? One does not come after the other. They, they are beautifully intertwined. If I can share one message with you, it's that I want you to live your rich life today and tomorrow. You and I already intuitively understand that some things must be done at the same time. Like if you're cooking, you have to add in peppers and onions and gar- Ah, God, I don't even know what this analogy is, where it's going. Let's take kids. Let's take kids as spoken by a non-parent. Listen, you don't first teach your kids how to read and then later teach them how to be a good person. You do it all at the same time. Yes, it's hard. That's how it's supposed to be. We intuitively understand this. But when it comes to money, we stop listening to our intuition and we develop magical thinking. The kind that says, first I'll invest, later I'll enjoy it. Wrong. You might get sick. Your partner or your family might get sick. You'll definitely never develop the muscle of living a rich life until you're in your 60s or 70s. And by then, for most people, it's too late. I'm not telling you anything revolutionary here. What I am asking you to do is to connect your money habits with the other parts of life where you intuitively understand that you have to do them today. Live your rich life today and live an even richer life tomorrow. This is important. Okay, here's the scenario. You go to In-N-Out, you get the meal. The whole thing costs $7. Next month you go, same meal, same food, same taste, 14 bucks. What the hell? Then the next time, three weeks later, it's 20 bucks, then 50 bucks, then $475. You go, what planet am I on right now? That's what it's like to pay a percentage of your portfolio to a financial advisor. That 1% fee that so many of your parents are paying and don't even know it, Sounds like just a little bit, but it's 1% of your portfolio compounded every single year. If you're looking for a financial advisor, there's a better way. It's called a flat fee. Let me tell you how it works. Now, Facet is a service that offers affordable, accessible financial planning through a flat fee membership. With a fee-based advisor like Facet, your fee remains the same as your investments grow. So you make more and you keep more. Facet is giving my listeners an exclusive offer. They're going to waive that $250 enrollment fee for new annual members, and they'll give you $500 into your brokerage account when you invest $5,000 in the first 90 days. If you are looking for a financial advisor, you want to get a second set of eyes on your finances, I would recommend facet.com slash Ramit. Again, facet.com slash Ramit. Sponsored by Facet. Facet Wealth, Inc. Facet is an SEC-registered investment advisor headquartered in Baltimore, Maryland. This is not an offer to sell securities or investment, financial, legal, or tax advice. Past performance is not a guarantee of future performance. Terms and conditions apply. What do you call someone who speaks three languages? Trilingual. What do you call someone who speaks two? Bilingual. And what do you call someone who speaks one language? American. Listen, imagine you're going to Mexico or Italy or Thailand this year. Wouldn't it be amazing to at least ask where the bathroom is in the local language or to say thank you when you're walking out of a restaurant? This fall, you can start speaking a new language with Babbel. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Here's a special limited time deal for IWT listeners to help you get started right now. 
Get 55% off your Babbel subscription only for IWT listeners at babbel.com slash Ramit. Get 55% off babbel.com slash Ramit. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash Ramit. Rules and restrictions may apply. Let's talk about the next few years because you've got this big income jump that'll be coming from the pension. You've got these cash flow properties, uh, kids going out of the household. Whether or not you help them with college, the kids are going to be leaving the household at some point. Three years from now, that income jumps up. You could wait. It would be very typical to grind and then wait and you go, ah, okay, we really made it now. We got the properties. Maybe we acquired another one. We got the pension and this and that. And I think if I left you alone and we stopped this call right now, you would do that and you would do it very successfully. Fair? Fair. Okay. Here's my question for you. Can we change that trajectory? You're going to get that pension three years from now, one way or another. It's going to happen. What would it look like if you were to actually love the journey from here until then? I'm talking about both of you. Natalie, let's start with you. What would it look like, financially speaking, if you were to love the next three years instead of merely be okay? Yeah, I think it would look like um, making money available to create the memories before the people we want to make the memories with are gone. Mm. Those are your kids? Yeah. Okay, I love that. I think... um, learning to communicate better with Travis about our common goal as to what, what, what are we doing? What is the purpose? Why are, what are we spending? What do we want us? You know, I I just think that there's a a lack of detailed communication that we're missing. Okay. Those two would be good. What about for you personally? Just you. I probably have my nails done. Thank you. I, um, I would schedule time to, to do the things that I love and fill the rest in with all the things that I need to do. How much time per week? For myself, I think I should have at least a couple hours a day. A couple hours a day. Okay. All right. 10 hours a week. Okay. And a couple hours a day. Let's just take, let's say a Monday, a Monday. What would those couple hours be? I would love to make time for myself to do something enjoyable, whether it is a beach walk or discovering a new hike or sitting in silence in the backyard. I love silence. I love just listening to the world. And um, and I don't do that. It's a beautiful vision. You two are clearly very aligned in so many parts of life. It's just this money thing that's gotten a little loose. I totally get it. But it is so clear that you're actually both generally pointing the same direction. Love having this conversation because we can tweak a few things change the way you look at the world and money. And it just brings you like a magnet, two magnets coming together as they should. It's really a beautiful illustration of what money can do. Part of the inability for the two of you to talk about money and Natalie, for you to not feel like you're failing every single week and to have to preemptively call your husband and say, hey, I just bought something for Amazon. Don't freak out. That that's a structural issue. It doesn't mean you're bad people. It just means that the structure you've set up is not serving you. It's actually reducing you down to a series of tactical maneuvers. One person orders something. Natalie, you order something with the best intentions in mind, but then you have to call him. He's already got this existential dread in his chest. And both of you are just like, ah! And by the way, the funniest part is this is all over $20. I'm like, huh? That's what the system is accomplishing. It's actually making you dream smaller. So let's change that. What, what do you think the problem is here? I think uh, I think it's kind of what Natalie brought up is that we, we need to reduce our amount we invest. Maybe. That's, that's, that is a, a course of action. I may not be the only one, but it is, it is worth mentioning. Very good. I love, I love that, Travis. Let's put them all out on the table, no matter how crazy, and then we can decide. Yes, you can reduce your investments, which are currently 29% of take home. Very impressive. 
Absolutely. Okay, that's one thing you could do. Your savings are 14% of take home. Again, let's for everybody listening, they're going, how is this guy telling them to consider reducing their investments? Let's not forget, you have a pension in three years that's going to pay you 50% of your income. And you've got seven income-producing properties. So your financial situation is a little different than other people's. We got to take that into account. You know, it sometimes blows people's minds to hear that you can oversave or you can overinvest. And it's true. It's relatively rare in our culture, but it's a real problem for some people. And the truth is, there is virtually nothing that caters to people in this scenario. What I'm really trying to teach you through this podcast is that most of society teaches you a one-dimensional view of money. Save, save, save. Invest, invest, invest. But once you understand money, it has nuance. There's an art and a science to it. There's a rhythm to it. There are rules. And sometimes you can even break those rules. Let me give you a few examples. There are times where you should invest aggressively. But there are other times where you can ease off the gas, like the first year of having kids, or in Travis and Natalie's case, when you have more than enough and $20 purchases are causing relationship problems. You know, the advanced level of personal finance is not investing in private equity and venture capital. It's knowing how and when to vary the basic fundamentals of money to suit your needs today. All right. Uh, what are the other potential strategies? Reduce the investments, reduce the savings goals. What else? Uh, we could take some of the net income from our income properties and offset our income. We could inc sorry, increase our income from the, the rental properties. Hold on, let me get this straight. You can take this <laughs> very profitable business you've created, buying seven properties, being very disciplined, and you can actually use the money to make your household run more smoothly? What do you think? Say it ain't so. Sounds like a pretty good idea to me. I actually think that, that those three things right there, those levers are your key levers. When I looked at your conscious spending plan, the first thing that jumped out to me was that your gross monthly income was 10K and your net monthly income was 4,700. I now understand that you, you really should probably deduct your real estate costs and move them to fixed costs and all that stuff. But the point is when I look at, you know, having a family of six, it's tough on $7,000. It's tough. It's just very tough. And especially then you, I find out you live in Southern California, all that stuff is tough. So if you didn't have the pension, the real estate, we'd be having a very different type of conversation, right? We'd be seriously looking at the grocery bill. But the fact that you've got basically this secret treasure over here, to me, the obvious answer is to start using it. There is a method to why we are investing the way, or at least why we have been. Yeah. It doesn't say that we're too rigid and not expanding those options. We want to actually make today magical and enjoyable. That's the purpose of money. Yeah. I think it sounds wonderful. It would feel good to just leave the house every day to go to work. And knowing that uh, we're our, not only is our bank account growing, but we're growing closer together with. I would love to plan our future in a positive way together. And I'm more excited about it now than I ever have been. Ditto. Here's what Natalie and Travis sent me in a follow-up. Quote, our biggest takeaway from the call was that Ramit actually asked us to invest less. Build the skill of spending money meaningfully together and family. Give trust by not asking about spending. What surprised us most was that we did not recognize there was a structure problem. We can grind and enjoy symbiotically. We also updated our CSP. The biggest changes we made were, number one, did not add any new income to investing. Number two, we moved our insurance to only renter's insurance. The business pays all our other insurance payments. Number three, added 15% to miscellaneous on our fixed costs. Number four, added savings goals for vacation and gifts. Natalie went and got her nails done the day after the call. Here's the calendar block she created for herself. Every night, meditate and gratitude journal before bed. 
Monday, 8.30 to 10, workout, lunch with friends at noon, family trip to tide pools. Tuesday, 8.30 to 10, workout, date night with Travis. Wednesday, beach walk, 8.30 to 10. Thursday, 8.30 to 10, workout. Friday, 8.30 to 10, workout, nail appointment at 11. Well, Travis and Natalie, fantastic work. Thank you so much for appearing on this podcast and sharing your story with us. For everybody listening, I have three ways that you can help me and also get help for yourself. The first one, this is strictly for me, go on Apple Podcasts and rate and review this podcast. It helps a lot and I appreciate every time you leave a review. Second, you can watch this episode in full on YouTube. Just go there, search for my name, and you will see the body language and the facial expressions of Natalie and Travis and all of our guests. And number three, you can design your rich life on your own. You can get help with my book, or you can get the most help directly from me in my money coaching program. Go to iwt.com slash money coaching. Join a community of hundreds of other people as well as me, I do a live call every single month where I will answer your questions. That's iwt.com slash money coaching. Thanks for listening to I Will Teach You To Be Rich. I'm Ramit Sethi. Please follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't read I Will Teach You To Be Rich, my book, pick up a copy. You can get it at any bookstore or any library, and it will show you the specific tactics for how to build the I Will Teach You To Be Rich system into your personal finances.